Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. I believe that the universe wants us to be sparkly AF and that joy is our natural state. I also believe that each one of us has within us a totally unique spark. I call it our awesome. And I believe that once we find it and align with it, we not only experience flow and ease and magic, but we serve the world in a way that is absolutely essential. It's our own unique brand of magic, and it's our job to share it with the world. I help people do just that, find their awesome, remember who they are, and start changing the world in their own unique way. This podcast is a tiny taste of that work. It's a project I started in 2017 while I was traveling around the country in a tiny camper with my husband and dog. But the real work is the one-on-one work I do as a certified professional coach, a certified performance coach, a mindset and mindfulness expert, and a human design reader. To book a human design reading or learn more about working with me in a coaching relationship, go to KelseyAbbott.com. Now today we are talking to Kyle Moss. Kyle has been on the podcast recently talking about radically loving other beings. But today she's here to talk about breath and breath work. Kyle is a joyful mindset coach, a breath work facilitator, and a self-proclaimed purveyor of joy. And of course, that is exactly what she does. We talk here about the power of breath. And of course, we talk about human design and some other fun stuff. But let's just talk about breath for a second. Let's talk about resources for your breathing. I know that sounds ridiculous. You've been breathing since day one, right? You know how to breathe. And yet, do we? Do we really know how to breathe? One of the things I mentioned in this episode is the book Breath by James Nestor. This was possibly the best book I read in 2020. I highly recommend it, especially if you have gate 46. You are just going to love this stuff. James Nestor is a science writer. He writes really clearly, really well. It's fascinating stuff. Yes, I am a huge nerd. And if you are a huge nerd too, then I think you'll really love the book. I learned so much from it. And then let's talk about a couple of breathing techniques. So we touch briefly on box breathing and three, four, five breathing. And I have a couple others I want to tell you about. So let's start with box breathing. The idea of box breathing is you breathe into a count of four, hold it for a count of four, breathe out for a count of four, hold it for a count of four. So if you imagine in your mind as you're breathing, four in goes up the side of the box, take a uh, make a right angle, you hold it for four, you're going across the top, you exhale for four, you're going down the side, and you hold it for four, you close out the box. So let's do a couple rounds together. Breathe in, two, three, four, hold it, two, three, four, Exhale, two, three, four, hold it, two, three, four, inhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, inhale, two, three, four, hold it, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four. 
Obviously you can keep going if you want to, if that feels good for you. This is a technique that a lot of people use to calm themselves. And it's actually one that the Navy SEALs use to center, center themselves before they're going into a big, scary operation. So you can do that too. Whether that big, scary operation is a test or a race or a conversation or I don't know, biking down a mountain, use this whenever you need it. Another, and it's something that we do at the end of core class a lot. So another one of my favorite breathing techniques is the three, four, five breath. And I learned this from Rangan Chatterjee. So it's breathe in for three, hold it for four, breathe out for five. So notice the exhale on this one is longer than the inhale. So breathe in two, three, hold it, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, five. Got it. So you breathe in for three, hold it for four, breathe out for five. You just keep doing that. This also, of course, is a great mindfulness practice because it is keeping you mindful and focused and concentrating on your breath. And you can do it, of course, you can do this while you're driving. You can do it anytime. You can do it all day, every day. You can do it with your hand on your belly. So you are feeling your inhale and exhale. You can also do it on your hand with your hands on your sides. So you feel the appropriate way we are supposed to be breathing, which is with our, our sides going out with every inhale, not just our bellies. Okay. Another breathing technique, alternate nostril breathing. This is silly. And it's one of my favorites. I've been taught or told that this is used to help calm you down, but it's something I use if I'm if I've been driving like eight hours or let's face it, two hours, if I have been driving and I'm feeling tired or just really sick of being in the car, I'll use this to energize me. So here's how you do it. Make a phone with your hands, meaning stick your thumb up and your pinky finger out and the middle three fingers are all tucked in. And then put your thumb on your right nostril, breathe in through your left nostril and take your pinky finger, put it on your left nostril now, <laughs> and breathe out through your right nostril. And then in through your right nostril, thumb goes to your right nostril, out through your left nostril, in through your left nostril, pinky finger goes to cover your left nostril, you breathe out through the right nostril, and then in through the right nostril, cover your right nostril with your thumb out through the left nostril in through the left nostril pinky finger covers your left and you go out through the right in through the right got it good use it as you wish and because this one came through for me i'm going to share this one at all as well it's called seagull breath or that's what i was taught but after a quick google i didn't find much called seagull breath but here's what i was taught and I was taught this in a yoga class with my friend, Aaron Kale, ages ago. So you're going to clasp your hands, like interlace your fingers underneath your chin, squeeze your elbows together and stand up tall. You're going to brace your belly, tuck your tailbone down and inhale slowly 
through your nose. And as you inhale, let your elbows go up as high as they do, like as high as your flexibility allows. So that they go up slowly so that by the end of the inhale, your elbows, if you are super crazy, insanely flexible, maybe your elbows point towards the ceiling. Maybe they just point out towards the walls or the corners where the walls meet the ceilings. All right, so you come to the end of your inhale and then you use your, your hands to slowly, gently push your head back so you're looking straight up and you exhale through your mouth slowly. And as you exhale, you squeeze your elbows together again and bring your chin back down. So you're back to that standing position. So elbows are squeezed together and you start to inhale and your elbows come up. When you are done with that inhale, which would be about a count of six, you tilt your head back gently and exhale through your mouth to about a count of six. Now this breathing exercise is designed to help us expand our lungs, which is something that our lungs, our lung capacity declines with age. And it's been shown that people with a larger lung capacity are healthier. So we all want to increase our lung capacity. So seagull breath is just one of many techniques that can help us increase our lung capacity and therefore be healthier as we age and also always. All right. I think that's enough. Enough with the breathing. And if you want to just pause for a moment and try all of those, we did box breathing, three, four, five breathing, alternate nostril, uh, <laughs> excuse me, alternate nostril breathing, and then seagull breath. I hope you enjoyed that. Now let's get to the episode. Let's talk to Kyle Moss about breath work. And always, my friends, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for listening. You are a miracle. You are amazing. May your life be filled with love and magic and miracles. Go forth and be awesome. Welcome back. You're here again. <laughs> Kyle Moss, like what? It's been like a month, two months. I have no concept of time. Uh, time is this weird vortex right now. So, or maybe that's just what we keep saying as we get older, right? Are we like, I know. Thank you for that reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Are we there on that side? I'm not sure. <laughs> we could be. <laughs> All right. So let's not have that conversation. Let's talk about breath. Let's, let's, do do breath work. <laughs> let's talk about breath. So I found out like what, um, shortly after we had recorded our last episode or the last episode aired that you're now into breath work. How did that happen? Yeah. Well, and that's a great point. So breath work has always been on my radar as a more specific modality um, and it's always been something that I've taught within my practice of coaching, right? Whether it be just take a deep breath, right? I'm a mom of two young kids. What's our first go-to as a parent, right? Take a deep breath when you're upset, scared, angry, right? We almost always go back to the breath naturally. And so I wanted to learn about how to like demystify breath work, right? Because I think it was a term that has, it maybe it's getting thrown around a lot more, in recent times. And I think some people are just like, Oh, I don't know. Like, is this like, are you gonna, and I'm like, it's not scary. 
we all breathe every day. So more specifically, I have been trained as a breathwork facilitator just this year, but breathwork at large has been a part of my practice for a long time. Um, so now I'm just kind of putting it in a more specific space, if you will. I want to talk about the definition and I, I want to hear your personal story with breath, but first, yeah. Can we talk about the term breathwork? I feel like it's about as obscure as the term coach because sure. I've heard breathwork refers to pranayama, pranayama, yoga breathing. It uh, refers to this transformational experience. It's what Wim Hof teaches. It's there's this holotropic breath work. There's what free divers do for breath work. There's like, yep. the list goes on and on. Yeah. So when someone yeah. says I do breath work, I'm like, eh, what do you, what do you <laughs> specifically mean? Like, I'd hate to sign up for breath work and then get there and be like, this is not the type of breath work I was looking for. Yes. You're exactly right. So I think that was a part of my journey too, was like, what are people actually talking about when they say breath work? Is there one way? Is it one technique? What I have found in my experience, Kelsey, is breath work at large is a terminology. Literally, if you go backwards, it's working on your breath, right? It's going, how can I use my breath as a tool, right? outside of my normal breathing patterns, what are the other ways that I can invite breath in and use it as a tool to heal, reveal, teach, strengthen, detox, whatever it is, right? So it's work, working, excuse me, working on your breath. That's what I would say the, the, the uh, base level of an explanation. And again, this is my experience and my journey. I don't, I'm by no means an expert on what other people are talking about when they might talk about breath work. But I agree, I think there's so many techniques that we've maybe heard a little bit about, right? The breath work that I practice, which you and I experienced is called two-step revelation breath work. So it's literally got two steps. And it's meant to reveal anything within your body that needs to be addressed in terms of health, trauma, energy, et cetera. And it's again, using your breath and a simple technique to reveal and maybe even enlighten or highlight anything that's going on within you. So that's what I'm talking about when I talk about breath work. But yeah, by no means is this like the only way. There's tons of techniques. I started out uh, with box breathing. So if you're familiar with that, that's another technique. It's a way of counting your breath and again, using it as a tool to bring clarity and focus, um, whether it be like in a very specific manner, like you're in a crisis or you're just having a bad day and you need to, to change things around and shift your energy, right? So yeah, there's tons of breathing patterns, but I think what I loved about the breath work that I'm now practicing is it kind of reminds us that we're all breathing every single day, right? Nothing has to be hard or overwhelming, but there are ways that you can use that everyday breath, shift it just a little and use it as a concentration tool, almost like a meditative tool to say, where is there energy that's stale or stagnant within me, right? What are the thoughts that are not really serving me and could be shifted in a, a different direction? 
right? Is there trauma my body is holding on to? Am I open? Am I open to using my breath as a tool to heal? I would say ultimately that's what I like about the breathwork I'm practicing. Yeah. Um, so when I did the breathwork session with you, right before we logged into Zoom, I was like, oh, shoot, is this going to be like hyperventilation? Because I don't want to do that. And then you, right off the bat, you explained what it was. And I feel like it was mindful breathing. It was like, get you in this routine where when I do a meditation where I focus on my breath, there's a lot of space in between. And I, I love that in the meditation, but it reminds me more of yesterday's bike workout where it was this very, it was zone three. So zone two is like 60% effort. Zone four is like 90% effort. So it's that in-between space pedaling. I was pedaling really slowly. I felt like I was just tracing circles, tracing Mm. circles for 15 minutes on 15 or like five minutes off, 15 minutes on just tracing circles. And there is like, there's that, there's no space in between so you're just, you know, exactly what you're doing. And that's what your breathwork style felt like for me. It's like, you are in it. It's like trail running too. It's You have to be super present in it yes. or you're going to fall off. Yes. 100%. And it really is a tool, the way that I practice this to bring yourself back to that presence, just like you said, right? We are in constant states of busyness for the most part in our culture right? We wear our business like a badge of honor for the most part. Like, how are you? Oh, so busy. Like my calendar, like, right. We all, that's like a natural reflex nowadays. And I know for me, that doesn't serve me personally. It doesn't serve me as a mom. It doesn't serve me as a wife. It doesn't serve me as a friend, a daughter. Like it doesn't serve me to constantly be in a state of busyness because it just exhausts me. And so I'm constantly looking for tools that work best for me to bring me back into that present moment, right? And I, I would argue that most of us could use a lot more of those tools and why not use something like the breath that you already have in your lungs that you're already going to be taking in all day. Why not, right, experiment with, can that breath be the tool that helps me, reminds me and brings me back to that sense of presence from moment to moment, right? We get to practice it in my session for about 30 minutes. But ultimately, I love teaching someone to walk away and go, I can use this for 30 seconds if I need to. I can use this for the first minute that I wake up. Like it's not as if it has to be practiced for 30 minutes, right? I'm never the person that's telling you, like, you've got to do this 10 minutes a day. I did it like right. I, no, I want you to learn a tool that you can go to right? That's accessible to everyone because if you're alive, you're breathing. So you've got breath to experiment with. And I want you to be able to access it at any time that you need it. But the beauty is in practicing breath work, right? Going to someone to help hold that space to practice it. Number one, you practice it so you get better at it. But number two, you also are able to open up to anything else that you might have been covering up because you've been so busy right? You might go, oh yeah, there's some grief in there that I haven't processed. Oh yeah, there's a little bit of trauma or anxiety that I'm holding on to that I didn't take time to recognize. And now practicing this breath work with you gives me the space and an opportunity, right? To go, okay, there are things within me. There's movement, there's shifts, there's changes. Maybe there's something 
that just needs to be revealed. Maybe it's a creativity block that you had, right? So I want it to be accessible. I want you to learn, but at the same time, like you can't really do that unless you set aside some time to learn it in the first place. I'm um, to really start to train your body to head in that direction of calm and release. So, yeah. Okay. I want to come back to like present you sure. in a moment, but first let's back up. Okay. What's your lifelong relationship with breath? Mm. I have been breathing since I was born. <laughs> I haven't. You haven't. Okay. No, I was born with the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck and there you go. couldn't breathe. They pushed there me back in. There you go. And yep. rescued me and then let me go. Yeah. yeah. So same thing with my daughter, right? She had the umbilical cord wrapped around her twice, came out not breathing, had to be, you know, brought, brought to that breath work, breath, not work, breath. <laughs> So absolutely, but I've been breathing since I was born. Thank you, Jesus. I was brought into this world very, very well. My mother did a great job, um, right? No complications. But as a child uh, running around, I started competing when I was like four or five years old. I started running competitively and just playing every sport in the book, basically. But my mom noticed really early on that whenever I ran around, whether it was a race, a game, or just in the backyard, you know, I would bend over afterwards and just be like, <gasps> like, just do this breathing where she's like, I don't know, you're like, you're in great quote unquote shape for a kid. You're like, why are you, you know, out of breath? And so lo and behold, I had what is called exercise induced asthma. So thank you, Jesus. I wasn't someone who always could, you know, be at risk for an asthma attack. But as soon as I started to exercise and run around, there was a greater risk for me of just not being able to manage my breath. So I grew up aware of that, like, lack of breath that could be there. I had a few, few instances where I had attacks, right? And it was like, oh my goodness, this is terrifying to be without breath. I think that's a terrible feeling to have it taken from you. So that was my childhood. When I had asthma attacks. Yeah. Yeah. So it was probably between, it was older, like teenage years when I was competing, like playing volleyball or running track. Um, it was, it was mostly high school that I had those, maybe one or two in, in middle school as well. So old enough where it impacted me in a way that I was like, oof, breath is important. Right. And, and combine that with the fact that I was also a singer so I was learning about how do you control and use your diaphragm and how important that was to enunciate and to perform. So there was a combination of things going on where I was just really aware and appreciative of breath, probably from a very young age. Maybe not, like maybe I couldn't say it at that age, but as soon as you have an experience where it's not there, I think you become more hyper aware. Yeah, I was diagnosed with exercise and induced asthma. Mine was exercise and chlorine induced. Oh. Um, when I was 12, like majority of our swim team was, um, hmm. I used an inhaler up until like five years ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so I'm right there with you. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you know, like, it's like, oh, that thought of like, I have this inhaler as a physical reminder that things could go differently. Um, right. Yeah. The fear, like always, how am I going to grab my inhaler? My first mm -hmm. 70.3 race. I remember like, well, I'm going to need my inhaler again, like mm -hmm. halfway through the race. How am I going to, how am I going to stash it? And yeah. this is like a $200 inhaler. So how do I stash it someplace and not lose it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. All those thoughts that most, most people, majority of people are not thinking through. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, giving them maybe more of an unawareness of the appreciation of breath, <laughs> which I totally understand. So couple that experience with the fact that I also had pneumonia as a child. And then fast forward to this year when I had, um, unbeknownst to me, had pneumonia again, <laughs> had walking pneumonia. And I only found that out because I had surgery and was without breath once again, right? So I think I was hyper aware of breath as a child because of these experiences, especially because of the lack of breath, but then being reminded as an adult right, of the feeling, like that despair, that desperation when you are out of breath and you can't breathe, right? To the point where I had to be put in an ambulance and taken back to the hospital. Um, that made it even more ultra clear that breath work was something I wanted to incorporate into my own practice more habitually and that I wanted to give that, like I wanted to serve other people with the reminder again of not only being brought into the present moment, not only the other benefits like detoxing your body and all the things that can happen when you practice breath work, um, but just that appreciation, right? That breath is taken for granted yet without it we don't live right we don't live like i love thinking about it this way so you can go three weeks without food right you can go about three weeks without eating food which to most of us sounds crazy but you could exist and live for about three weeks you can go three days without water again sounds terrible to me because i water is a whole other thing like oh my gosh i love my water but you can go about three days without drinking water you can go about three minutes, right? Without breathing. So it's like, oh my goodness, the things that we think are insane that we think about all the time, food and um, water, right? You can actually go a lot longer without those, but you can go way less time without breath. And I like to take it even one step further. This is a little off topic, but you can only go, you can't even go about three seconds without the thought, <laughs> which I think is even crazier, right? You can't, you can't shut those off. So. That's what we do with breath work is also navigate that thinking because it all starts there. Right? It all starts there. You can live without food and water for a while. You can't live without air for more than three minutes. And you can't live three seconds without a thought. So, so I, let me see, where do I want to go with this? My obsession <laughs> with breath. <laughs> Are you familiar? I think I mentioned the book breath to you by James Nestor. Yeah. Okay. So read the book, highly recommend it. I also have listened to a few interviews with him and here's the things I've learned. First of all, like you can cure asthma with mm-hmm. breathing, just slow, slow down the breath. When it's super humid and I'm running hard, I still definitely, I'll start to wheeze a bit and I can switch to a nose breath mm-hmm. and calm my breathing down and I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I've also learned So that kids, there's some doctor in Arizona, I believe, a pediatrician who, and I think you and I talked about this, who said that ear infections are caused by kids breathing wrong Mm -hmm. because the way they are breathing makes the fluid get stuck in their eustachian tubes and then it gets infected because it's not supposed to be sitting there. I was an ear infection kid. Mm -hmm. And then I recently learned that ADHD... I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was in college is linked to also breathing wrong 
Mm. So it's like everything I had as a kid. Wow. Was because I was breathing wrong. Mm. which like who knows maybe that's because I came into the world not so sure that I was gonna get air sure yeah I mean yeah and again I mean we have sayings in our culture right like the breath of life for a reason right there is there's life within that breath and I think I like to personally remove the moral labels from breathing like oh you're breathing bad or good it's like well okay you're alive if I'm talking to you, you're alive. So you're breathing in such a manner that it's at least kept you alive. So let's like remove that. Let's just realize that there are different ways and practices, like you said, to shift things that are happening in your body, remembering ultimately that we're all connected, right? All of this is connected. And so breath is kind of the simplest, I found simplest tool to go back to, to say, if there's something going on in my body, my first line of defense is to breathe. Because maybe, maybe, like you said, I've been doing it inefficiently or I've been doing it not as like as much, right? So most of us are chest breathers all day, every day. And I just feel like you're missing out on things if you don't learn to get into your belly a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not good or bad. It's kept you alive. It's okay. But the simplest thing that I like to teach people that we do at the beginning of my breathwork session, right? The simplest thing is just extending our exhale, right? So if you can do nothing, if you hear nothing else about breathwork, if you never wanna experience a session, I totally understand that, I highly recommend it. But if you hear nothing else, one of the best things to do is simply inhale, however, and exhale for a little bit longer, just to put yourself in that sympathetic, parasympathetic state, right? We talk about that a lot. People, we live in fight or flight for the most part, but doing whatever you can just to move yourself into that rest mode, that you can make a better decision. And that better decision might be, I want to breathe differently, right? It might be that you breathe for just a minute, you extend that exhale and then you recognize like, yeah, I've been breathing only in my chest or I've been breathing short or whatever it is. And I think my, my next line of defense is now to focus on that breath to see what else then follows suit. Maybe it alleviates, like you said, that tension or that buildup in your ears. Maybe it alleviates some tension that you're holding throughout your body somewhere. Right? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. Who knows how anything is manifesting for, for anyone listening right now. But I can promise you that using breath as a slowing down tool can help to recognize where you need to go next. So if you hear nothing else, try simply inhaling for the count of four, exhaling for the count of six to extend your exhale, and then take note of what your body tells you to do or where to go next. Mm. And for people who are like me, that count of four and count of six Uh is actually like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Literally breathing in and counting in your head, like one, two, three, four, as you inhale, and then literally counting out to one through six as you exhale, just to make sure that exhale is a little bit longer. So extending the exhale to be longer than your inhale. Yes. I wanted yeah. to point that out because um, I do box breathing and a lot of different breathing patterns. And I find myself often, like I'll do a three, four, five pattern, like breathe in for three, hold it for four, breathe out for five. And when I first started doing it, I would count instead of one, two, three, I'd count one, two, 
Oh, and then when I'm doing the exhale, counting to that, I'm like, yes, no. Oh, that you're right. Yeah. That's a really great distinction because again, I want to like blow any, any myth out of the water about this, right? Like it's not mystical. It doesn't have to be complicated. I never want to come like I value simplicity. So you're exactly right in that explanation. It's one, two, three, four. It's not like one, one thousand, two, one thousand, one Mississippi, two. No, 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 no. Just counting one, two, three, four. Right. And then it's going, you'll listen to your body. You'll know like, oh, I can hesitate a little between my one and two. Right. Like, okay, you'll learn that. But certainly, yeah, there's, there's no competition here on how long you can hold your breath. I don't, like I will lose at that competition almost every time. I'm like, no, I love breath. I'm not holding my breath for too long. No, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, that's a great point, Kelsey. Counting just one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six. Absolutely. And I might be the only one who had that issue. And no, no, you're not. You're not because how, we teach ourselves to count in so many different ways. Like one, one thousand. Like I said, two, one thousand. Like no, just just one, just one, two, three, four. Yeah. Okay, so fast forward to modern day, Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> 2021, Kyle. What have you personally experienced as a result of breath work? So I will say that I went into breath work, especially into my training, um, my facilitator training, and even in using breath work in my coaching practice, thinking it was more of a tool to help maybe soften or turn down the volume on some negative talking in my head, negative speaking in my head, negative voices, right? And in others' heads, right? I thought maybe that was kind of the main goal is to slow my thinking and try to shift things in the way that I want them to go. Still hugely important practice for me, but breath work itself has actually been hugely spiritual for me. Um, way more than I anticipated. And I say that in terms like you and I, even in our session, like I've been able to both in my own sessions where I'm practicing breath work, right? Where someone else is guiding me and in sessions where I'm guiding people through breath work, both times now I've been able, or not both times, but many times in either scenario, I've been able to tap into a different connection to who I call God and to have visions, like more of divine visions than I ever thought possible. And if you're hearing this and you're like, "Ah, I don't know, like, okay, now I'm off. Like, I'm not listening to this woman. Like, I'm not a vision person necessarily, right? This has never happened to me in the past. I've never had a a tool or a modality or a space where like, even with my prayer life and right with my walk with, with Jesus, I have not had that. It's more been like, oh yeah, I I talk and I, I think, and we talk to other people, whatever. I pray, I meditate, but this modality has allowed me to visually gain a message in a, a way that I've never been able to experience before. Right. And in our session, yeah. A lion, yeah. Which was so I did this session with you like two weeks after Makai left. Mm-hmm. I was deep, deep in grief. I cried through the entire thing. And mm-hmm. I think I've cried the rest of the day. Mm. Um, and the lion, the Makai, he was a little lion. Mm. He would survey his kingdom like a proud lion. Um, yeah, I, I just, there were other reasons that we, we both looked up the meaning of lion and 
there are other things, you know, like honoring the stillness and don't really remember what else. There's obviously owning your power, but sure. that part wasn't a, as big of a surprise. Sure. Yeah. So you're exactly right. Like it's been this fascinating way of being open, right? It, it, again, it's bringing me into the present moment, being thankful for what we call like, again, the breath of life and being open to anything that the divine, right? That your higher power, that my God, that God has to say, right? I think I, you know, I could get really spiritual here and say, like, like I don't think I could, I, I could last if I saw the face of God or heard the audible voice, right? I'd be like, blown away, right? It's like, I, I, my body can't handle that. But what it can now handle, because I've started to practice it, is being open to a message, right? Being open to a vision. And it's a really beautiful thing. Like the other day, I had this vision, this very stark, bright, vibrant hummingbird um, in a breathwork session with a woman. And similar to you, looked it up and uh, it, she was studying for a test that she was extraordinarily stressed out about. And it was like very pivotal in like defining her career basically. And so we did a breathwork session the night before. Um, I saw this hummingbird, I told her and hummingbird represents um, good luck. So good luck and joy. And she goes, Kyle, the next morning I woke up and literally there was a hummingbird outside of my window. And I could not tell you how much that encouraged me. And I, like, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it again, because if you do not create those pauses in your day, you are missing out on messages, on visions, on powerful imagery and just information that could guide you and others, like just full of love and just clarity. So that's what breathwork has done for me in, in ways, again, that I would not have expected, that I did not anticipate, but that I am so pumped about and it's just been such an adventure to experience and explore mm. I just I love that story about the hum hummingbird hummingbird and the lion is it always animals that you see no one of my first visions was um the face of my grandfather uh, who passed away when my mom was nine so I never met him um and we have very little imagery of him he for so many reasons um but yeah, my first image was him with, he was from Jamaica. So it had a Jamaican flag behind him. Just um, so you know. Just so I would know. Yeah, with this beautiful flower. Yeah, it was just, yeah, I know, just so I know. Well, it actually was a message of very, like very specific ethnic message that I needed to hear in the moment um, because I'm such a mixed ethnic pot of magic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was just something that I needed to hear. So no, it's not always animals. And again, it's not always, it's not every session. It's not like, I'm like, oh, I just dip in and like create an image in my head. It's not every time. Um, it's just something again, that was unexpected in this breathwork journey that I've really, really enjoyed exploring a little bit further. Yeah, I feel like you're just getting started. <laughs> so how about when you are the one doing the breathing? I mean, you're breathing when you're facilitating. <laughs> sure. sure. But the I'm always one breathing. No. <laughs> always breathing. Always breathing. Um, but the one doing the actual like patterned breath work. Mm -hmm. What comes up for you or what have you cleared out? What happens for you then? Yeah. There's definitely a lot of 
creativity blockage that I would say that has been released in my sessions where someone's guiding me. Um, I come out and I've heard this from clients as well with this wonderful dichotomy of living in this, like I feel energized yet I also feel calm. Um, there have been sessions, like I said, where, or like you said, where I will cry and it's just like, oh, that's just the energetic release that I apparently needed that maybe I did or didn't know, or that I was blocking because again, back to that, like we're busy, we just keep going. I'm not paying attention to my breath. So when you all of a sudden do, right, I've had times where I'm like, oh, I need to let that out. I don't even, sometimes I don't know what it is necessarily, but yeah, I would say there's a lot of creativity um, unblocking that's gone on, a lot of energizing, but yet a lot of calmness that I've walked out with. I had a very, very, very interesting image as well in one of my uh, sessions where it was a very clear image of light being porn into me. That, just, that was not a word. I said porn. I meant poured. <laughs> I thought you said porn. You're welcome. I was, I was with you. <laughs> For that Freudian slip in summary. No. So it was this light image that was being poured into me. And it really felt like, oh my goodness. Number one, it was a reminder to like continue practicing what I preach, right? Like it's just as important for me to continue my own breathwork practice as it is to serve and to, to give this, this to others, right? It, it's just as important for me because I need to be poured into so that from that abundance, I can serve others, right? So that was a really big, awesome reminder for me, like, hey, I need to be filled up too, right? Like I, I can't serve others. I can't have, I can't be open as a vessel for other people's healing if I'm not also practicing what I preach. So. That was a really, a really, really awesome reminder and a beautiful way to be reminded of it. Yeah. Get from the overflow. Yeah. And I, and I think, I don't know if we talked about it in our session, but there's actually a physical response that your body can have too. We call them claw hands. And if you're listening right now, I'm doing claw hands on the screen, which means your hands just kind of lock up, right? So there, or like you might feel a sensation throughout your whole body where you're like almost levitating, but yet you're still on the ground. Um, there can just be tingling. So I've had a lot of physical, like, oh, I'm still healing from this, right? Like I had a, a surgery earlier and again, the pneumonia came along with that. So there's been a lot of like, oh, my, my abdominal wall is still really repairing itself. And so when I breathe, you can feel your cells almost like replicating and expanding and like doing what they need to do in a fast amount of time, like accepting the, the oxygen and then really physically healing you too. So I felt a lot of that in my own sessions as well. Mm. Now, what went into the decision for you to actually sign up for your breath work training? You're a three, five. So three, you five, yes. <laughs> don't know anything until you try it, you have to try stuff. And then you, is it quick for you that you quickly find out this is for me or this isn't for me, or does it take time? You mean when I experience experiment with something, is it quick that I'm like, this is mine or this is not mine kind of yeah. thing. It's, I would say for the most part, I, it's usually pretty quick. Um, and I also in that exploration of wanting to kind of be certified in this breath work thing, and really it was more for my like own learning. Like, again, like you, I want to demystify this whole breathwork thing. What does that look like? So I looked, you know, all over for trainings and I compared like, okay, time and energy and during COVID, you know, like we're not really in person. So what does this look like online? Um, 
I really resonated with the people that trained me. Like I went through their classes first, like or a class first to see like, what does it look like, right? And there's this, their training in what I also administer or facilitate is upbeat and it's positive and it's fun and it's kind of like a workout and it's energizing. Definitely there's some calming aspects to it as well. There's some release and some calm, but I love the fact that we got to use our own music, right? I curate your own playlist and use that energy. So for me, it was, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to demystify. And like you said, I have to bite into something to know, right? Like I'm the person, like you said, a three, five that someone is like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And I'm like, let me taste it. I need to know. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it smells so bad. And I'm like, I'm immediately sniffing. Like, I need to know, like, what does it smell like? Right. So, so the same thing for breath work. It was I want to demystify it. I want to know more about it. I want to know, is it a tool for me? Can it also serve others? And so when I looked for the training online all over again, the pricing is all over. The, the um, time that it takes to be certified is all over, right? There, it's all over the map. You can find everything you want. But again, I found a program that I really enjoyed the people and the practice that they were putting into play. So that was kind of how, and I knew, yeah, pretty much right away, they threw us into it pretty quickly. Like they're like, okay, we're going to talk about it, but then we're going to throw you into it rather than just talk at you. So I really liked their approach in that too. It wasn't like I felt like I was wasting time in an experiment. I could figure it out pretty quickly that it was or wasn't for me. And so it definitely was. And you're right. I had to experiment with it to figure it out myself. I, I couldn't just take anyone else's word for it. No, three fives cannot just take anyone else's word, whether... Your very loving friend says, Oh my God, you're going to hate that. Don't do it. You're like, Gotta do it. I'm like, I will come back and agree with you. Yes, I did. I hated that. <laughs> but I got to go do it. I got to go do it. In your description of choosing the program, it sounds like you followed the energy, like the energy of the people. Absolutely. Is that yeah. typically what you use to guide you in choosing? things to try on? That's a great question. So let me stop and think about that. So do I use energy? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think consciously or subconsciously, we're all either attracted to people because of a certain energy that they've chosen to surround themselves with and to cultivate within themselves. Or <laughs> we're like, ooh, I walked in and that's bad energy. Like, I don't really want to spend time here. Um, so yeah, I would say ultimately, whether I'm aware of it in the moment or not, it's usually someone's energy and what they're putting out into the world that I'm like drawn to and willing to spend more time in that energy or not. So yeah, absolutely. Because if I had found that these folks that were training, like if I was like rolling my eyes at them, for the, like, that would, like I would be uncomfortable and I would feel like I was wasting my time. So I definitely knew I needed to jive with who they were and their, their parents of four boys, like they had a very, a lot of similarities too, right? They're parents of young kids and they're a husband and wife that are working together. So a lot of it was just like, oh, this is familiar too, right? This is familiar. They were in Southern California, also familiar because I'm in Southern California. So I think their energy and their circumstances and their environment all coupled together was something that I followed. And then if you jive with their energy, then if breath work happened to not be for you, it feels like the experiment would have been, a, would not have been a total failure. 
because sure. you still yeah. would have liked it. It would have been sure. like, oh, not yeah. for me, but you're for me. That was yeah. fun. I'm out. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. I could have still been okay emerging from my training, having spent time with some amazing people and just being like, okay, well, I have a tool. I'm not really ready to use that tool or I don't, I'm not really interested. Um, but I wouldn't have felt like it was a waste of time because I did enjoy that, that training in and of itself. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious if you could go back and give that little Kyle whose hands are on her knees after running, if you could share some wisdom with her today, what would you tell her? Oh, and this I'm, might not have anything to do with breathing. Got it. Thank you. Got, yes. In general, what am I telling little Kyle? Uh, it's funny because when you say that too, there are two very specific images that come to mind. Me like as like a five, six-year-old's right? Wheezing with my like a little bowl cut. I had a bowl. It was like a terrible haircut. <laughs> Did you, would you, was your hair relatively straight when you were a little or do you always really have a funny story, short story? My, I was very tomboyish. So my inkling was to always just pull it back as tight as I could, like get it out of my face, like just pull it back. And my mom kind of went with that. She's, and I had two brothers. So she's like, oh, I'm not going to fight this. Like, okay, just, you know, whatever. She promises that I went to my, my aunt's house, my aunt who has a daughter as well, and came home with curly hair. She's like, I didn't even know it was curly. Like you just always slicked it back and pulled it back. She's like, it was just all of a sudden, oh, you have curly hair. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was relatively kind of straight at the beginning, had some good waves, but then I like learned how to treat it. And I was like, oh, I have really great curls. Like, what the what? <laughs> that all right, since we're already off on this tangent, I will add that reminds me of when I was I don't know, must have been like 12, 13. Everyone was getting a perm. And so I asked oh, my mom, boy. can I get a perm? And she was like, To do what? And I you was like, curly. make my hair curly. And she was like, You have curly hair, but I <laughs> always put it up or like French braided it or blow dried it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't That's know. So that's good. That's really good. Yeah. And I like caused my poor mother some like pain because I would grow it and then I would chop it all off. Like I've twice, maybe even three times have donated over 12 inches of hair to like locks of love uh, because I'm like, I just don't need it anymore. Like, okay, I'm done. It's so, <laughs> like, oh, someone can use this. Fantastic. Here, take the hair. Um, so yeah, my poor mom, the hair is a whole different story. Um, okay. So okay. we're back to you. Yes, your little Kyle. What would I tell little Kyle? Um, and so my other image, so my one image is young. My other image is a teenage Kyle, like literally about to black out because I have no breath, right? And I had just run what suicides, which is a terrible name, but you know what I'm talking about when we stop, right? Yeah, I wonder if they're still called that. They cannot be, not in this PC world. There's I no really way. hope it's they're not anymore. Out. It's a terrible name. It I don't is. know why, although it did feel like if I'm doing this to myself, it was almost, I don't know. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about, where you mm -hmm. run to a certain line and then you run back to the line you began with. You run a little further and run back and you keep doing that. Um, and it's a sprint. So I, I have that image of myself, like, like I said, bending over without breath. Like, you know that feeling before you're about to pass out. Like you see the stars, maybe some blackness. Um, and if I were to tell younger Kyle anything, I think it would be to continue being true 
to who you think you are in this moment and at each stage. Do not allow external dictation to choose for you, right? Do not allow external influence to choose for you. I think I've done a great job of that, but I think at an even younger age, it could have been ingrained in me. And I think there's like the obvious one, like, okay, you're gonna meet your husband at 28. So like, stop worrying about that kind of thing. Right. Like, cause I think had I taken off, I remember being, getting married and being like, wow, there's like a huge amount of brain space now that's open because I was so focused right on relationships. And like, when is mine going to come And Like, is this the right one? And is this not like, I'm like, whoa, there's so much more open. So I think I would have also opened that brain space a little earlier. Right? And, and again, that goes hand in hand with just be true to who you think you are in this moment and in this season, whatever that season might be. And don't allow external voices or influences or circumstances to dictate or to choose for me. Yeah. Is that to bowl, <laughs> the bowl cut tile, bowl cut <laughs> Kyle and um, the one who just finished suicides? Yep. It is. Mm. It is. And that's yeah. the Kyle of yesterday. Right. That's the Kyle of yesterday. I'm sure tomorrow I'll probably have that same message right the reminder like reminder just just do you yeah and trust it sounds like there's a whole lot of trust in there because if you if younger you had simply trusted that you're gonna meet your husband yeah it's gonna be amazing it's totally gonna be worth the wait that's about trusting but of course we always want to know when 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 how what does it look like Yeah. yeah i think you're exactly right there's like a trust in there like trust Learn to trust your instinct, your intuition, right? And, and, and learn to cultivate it, really, right? Because the world is not telling us to do that. The world is telling us to trust medicine, to trust brain, not mind, right? So, and to also segment them out, like, oh, no, 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 brain and body are different. And it's like, no, just remember, like, this is the one vessel I get, mm-hmm. so trust learn to understand its voice and to to choose based on that rather than again anything short term anything fleeting anything purely external that is really no has no place yes all right one more question maybe um your grandfather standing in front of the jamaican flag Mm. what did he have to tell you uh So it's one thing I have found that is difficult is when you have a vision, it is a challenge to put it into words. And I think that's why it comes in a vision, right? So it's a challenge to all of a sudden extract something I visually see in my mind, right? Because it limits it with words, right? It's all, it's limitless when it's a vision in your mind. And it's the same thing with like any creative project, right? You know, like as soon as I say it out loud or write it down, it becomes limited, Um, So it's a little difficult, but what the basic message was is, again, I talked about, I'm like this mixed ethnic bag, right? My grandparents are from four different countries. Um, I look a certain way, but, you know, like I have very light skin. Turns out I'm almost a quarter Nigerian, which is just awesome, (laughs) but but unexpected. Um, And then there's just a lot wrapped up in that, right? I'm Nigerian because there were people taken from Nigeria and brought to Jamaica right? And it, that's what happened with part of my family. Um, and that's just one of the four. Like there's all, there's also like stories behind each of my grandparents, right? So that's usually a story that's 
a lot further removed in people's lives, right? There's a lot of people that are, you know, first and second generation American, with, right? So it's more apparent, but it's for the most part, much more removed in people's uh, genealogy. And so because that was so much closer, right? My parents are basically first time or first gen American. Um, one of my grandparents was from the US. Um, my grandpa had to say to me, like, child, you are beautiful the way you are. Like your ethnicity is your ethnicity. Like it's not your identity. It was just this beautiful, like my mom grew up, or I grew up having my mom tell me like, Kyle, you're exotic, period. Move on. Like, <laughs> like right, like move on. There's so many other things to talk about than our race, our racial, which I don't even like the, the term racial because I'm like, aren't we just one race? <laughs> Doesn't that like start to segment it out right from there? We call it race. Um, but you know, your ethnicity is, is exotic. It's beautiful. It's different. Now let's move on. Right. So it was kind of that same message that my grandpa had to tell me and to reaffirm within me was, and, and mind you too, my family, my, my husband's also half black, half white. So my kids are also, again, like they're going, so I'm like reliving a lot of my childhood now watching my children who one is very dark, one is very light, um, just a lot wrapped up in that. So it was a beautiful message that my grandpa had to remind me of like, Hey, it didn't matter to me it's a beautiful thing. We love and we embrace our differences, but then we move the heck on. You are exotic. Boom, move on. Um, so that was kind of the, the beautiful message that he had to relay to me. I love that so much. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for asking. All right, let's wrap it up and give people the information they need, which is how can they play with you? Particularly, how can they do a breathwork session with you? But also, where where can we find you? I love that. So there are two things I will share. One, I just wrote a book. So I told you this. It is not on shelves yet. It is going to be very soon. It is called Awaken Your Joy. The four key elements to activating your daily clarity, confidence, and contentment. And breathwork is a huge part of all of that. Um, so stay tuned if you want to be a part of that, then you can email me, right? You can get in touch with me, email me and I'll put you on the, the list. I just told Kelsey, I'm adding her to that list. Um, I'll send Kelsey all that, but my email is kyle at experts-together.com. Um, so that's the best way to, is to get informed, get ready for that book because I'm also launching with that book, a way to experience breath work and joyful mindset coaching, which is what I do primarily. And it's gonna be a party because who doesn't wanna be invited to a party? You're invited, like everyone's invited if you are interested. So before this book hits shelves, I am inviting people into a pre-release party. And it is basically my group coaching program um, condensed into a smaller amount of time and for a fraction of the price so that you can get those tools like breath work, like prayerapy, which is what I call prayer as therapy, so um, guided meditation and visualization along with breath work and all housed in a joyful mindset coaching program. So that's going to be called Awaken Your Joy Pre-Release Party. And I am super pumped. I will send you, Kelsey, both the link for people and um, a, a code to, to join us for like a 10% discount. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love your listeners to come play with me that way. It's going to be so much fun. You can't see me, everyone, but I'm like, so my arms are up in the air. I'm super pumped. But yeah, Awaken Your Joy is the book and it's going to be released soon. 
and there will be a pre-release party that I'd love for you to join. Do you, you've said soon, do you have an estimate of the date? It'll be probably late August. Okay. Yeah. So All I'm right. Gonna- so we will update the show notes because yeah. this is awesome. going to be live at the end of July. Perfect. So perfect timing. If you're listening to this right now, you can sign up to come play with me at my pre-release party. Um, and I'll, I'll put those links in the show notes. I'm sure I'll send them. Yeah. Out. So your action when you listen to this podcast in real time is to email Kyle and ask her to put you on that list so you can go yes. to the party. Yes, absolutely. All right. Because who doesn't want a party? Who doesn't want a party? At the joy party with the beautiful, exotic Kyle. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you, Kelsey. I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. I hope you had some epiphanies and I hope you'll go book a breathwork session with Kyle and sign up to learn all about her new book. And if you'd like to book a human design reading with me, you can do that at kelseyabbott.com slash human design. And if you are interested in coaching with me, I have some new offers. I've got light leader amplification just for entrepreneurs and movement makers. I've got wisdom training to help you learn to listen to your inner wisdom. You have all the answers. No one else can tell you what to do. And you know that. I know you know that. But how do you actually listen to the wisdom of your body and soul? And how do you actually trust it? That's what we do in wisdom training. And then there's the mentorship, which is everything. It is mental, spiritual, emotional alignment, growth. It includes everything, including relationship coaching with me and Pete. If you are interested in any of that, go to KelseyAbbott.com and contact me through my website. I love you so much. Go forth and be awesome.